I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger, the advice podcast that kind of tries. Uh, thanks, Mighties, for uh, following along and, and being fans and friends and all that jazz. And thanks for all the helpful tips. And thanks for the calls, as always. Um, I have a guest on today who uh, I, I think he's one of the funniest people I know. And uh, we work together in limited capacity. But he's one of those people that when he pops up in projects, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, Tim. Here we go. Because he's always this, as, we, as, as James Brown would put it, he's on the one. He's right away in there. Um, Tim Baltz is with me. Tim, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Thank you for that introduction. That's, that's too nice of you. <laughs> I but wouldn't you know, give myself that. Either, either that or the, the pride of Joliet. You know, I don't know what, which one you wanted. Ooh, Joliet's a tricky place. Uh, <laughs> Their pride, their their pride's unpredictable. I hope, I hope I make I make some people in Juliet proud. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like we just to give people a little background. Tim Tim is as a comedian improviser. Sure, uh, you might have seen him in the uh, the Righteous Gemstones, uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties, uh, Jordan Klepper. Um, is it something else that you'd be known for as a luminary? I mean, shrink was the thing that really uh, moved me to LA. But it oh, took, right on. It took several years, and now it's an orf. It's one of those orphan shows where you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, I remember that show. That was a good show. Yeah, it was. Uh, we we're really proud of that. I mean, it took six years to make, but it was on CISO, and then it got put on Hulu, and it was on the NBC app, and um, it had like a decent reach for uh, for how much it shuffled around. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, uh, there's so many streaming services right now that yeah, the second, the second something kind of like disappears, I mean, our, our attention span is already at zero. Exactly. It, it's one of those things where I feel like it's become, they've intentionally made it more confusing to explain how it all works to our parents as the time has gone on. <laughs> it used to be, you know what I mean? Like you, you and me started out in the Chicago scene. I was doing improv too initially. And it was like, you got Saturday Night Live and you got Mad TV. Maybe you got some movies. Then you got sitcoms. That's your option. Now it's got all these platforms and parents and people not in the business are often like, well, there's so many platforms. Someone's going to buy your idea, right? There's so many. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but they're all owned by like the same five guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not, they, they just have more stuff they can put you if they like you and they want to spend the money. It's all just kind of... You know, and for the people viewing too, the, the like the paradox of choice means that they've just folded back in on the few things that they knew before the choices started exploding. Yeah. So like, ah, I don't know about this young Sheldon. I understand what's going on there. He's younger now, you know, like, but you're I know tell Sheldon. Me, yeah, I know Sheldon. So you're going to talk to me about free form and yeah. some high concept show within a show that you're pitching to somebody I, i'm out already i don't know which, which of those people have i heard of who yeah. do i know who, who i know who? isn't that right. odd that like the even with our industry with like all the opportunities kind of multiplying we're still in this weird place where it's like the rich kind of get richer yep. where it's so much easier for someone to be like well if you're known then i can make you even more well known exactly. if you're not known 
well then I can't, I can't take you from unknown to known, but I can take you from really well known to like explosively known. Yeah. Like, well, it, that, yeah. that's just. <laughs> You're compounding, you know, everything. And yeah. not in a, that person does not need more money or fame. <laughs> Have yeah. you, I mean, coming from Chicago, this is probably because I like, I forgot those roots. I remember the first time we met, we were talking about all the different, like, you know, places and scenes and even teams that we knew that yeah. we had in common. Cause I started going up there when I was in high school, which was, um, and, and then I went to college and I kind of just would go down and see as many free shows as I could. Yeah. And that was probably right when, when you were there. Probably. Uh, have you, I mean, it, I definitely these days have this weird nostalgia for this time where things were not perfect, but yeah. they, and I didn't know, I knew such a fraction of what I know now, mm -hmm. but it was so much simpler to understand compared yeah. to now where I know way more. And I still look at the landscape and I'm like, all right, hold on. I got a headache. What is happening? Yeah, here? It, it, it's, it's definitely taught me how to kind of remove myself, try to pull myself away from my ego as much as possible because I feel like we, we back in Chicago, I mean, the improv thing I did for a couple of years, and then I moved to stand up, but I had always had people in both worlds. And it was, it was simpler because fr quite frankly, no one was going anywhere, which was kind of a good feeling, you know, and, and, and uh, I, I, I will, I will admit we would, we were all very thirsty in our own ways, but like, it was. It didn't have the the impetus that I think going to L.A. or New York does might do to you, where you're like, okay, now's my chance. Now, now I have to, you know, nose the grindstone. And 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 I, I just feel like in, in Chicago, it was just kind of the 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 joy of those moments. You know, not, it, not to be like it won't get better than that, but it's like it would be hard to. I've had yeah. I've had bigger moments that are like, oh, that, you know, that you know. Doing well on Letterman, holy hell! Like I'll, I'll always have that. I'll have that on my deathbed. But it's like I'll also have that those times in an improv team where we we all kind of nailed the moment and made up a thing that never existed. And that yeah. that just I, I feel like that that's why it, that's why it lands so well in Chicago because it has that kind of that work ethic and let's do this in the moment because after this it's never coming back again. And I think you'll find that when you, that's why Steppenwolf is so good and the Goodman is so good. It, it's pretty unique to that to that place it really it really is sheltered and and especially because I, I think it started to change around 2010 2011 mm. from my experience having oh. started watching shows in kind of the mid to late 90s started doing stuff in the early 2000s and then moving to LA and uh, I didn't move to LA until 2014 so I had a lot of time in Chicago wow um, as a kid as a college student and then as a performer to really kind of watch how it changed and for the 2000s it really didn't change managers mm. and agents didn't start descending on chicago until about 2010 which well a, a couple of years before but it was a really slow trickle at first yeah. and as a result uh we were really shielded from what the industry was like how you're supposed oh. to work the hyperdrive of it all the yes. that sense that you're either growing or you're dying and so that's again, really well put Again, wow. it's really odd to have nostalgia about this time when you knew way less. Um, the one thing I'll say is looking back, I used to think that Chicago was a meritocracy. And uh -huh. I, I don't think that's true. I, 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 it might be cynical. I, I don't think that exists. Um, 
because things are always kind of changing. What I do think Chicago I, I don't had, think it's, it'd be as possible to have a true meritocracy as it would be possible to have a true utopia, I think. Where yeah. Kind of like, and and know, also, kind of like, I always feel like, you know, communism, great idea, would never work. You know, like, <laughs> like not to get political. Not according. Like the side of the spectrum either. Trust me. Yeah. You know, not according to some guys I went to high school with. They figured it out in 1997. Oh, dude, I grew up at, for, for, for which, which side, the left or the right? Oh, well, the left at oh. the time, but at the right, I go on Facebook, they've definitely figured it out on the right. At oh, this well, that's, well, they're, they're all fucking, they're, 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 they're drunk driving with no steering wheel at this point. It's like, there's not even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want a self-driving car, it's called getting loaded in Plainfield and driving home to Joliet. <laughs> you won't remember, I guarantee you won't remember driving. Well, just, just get in, get in, get in with Sully. No, there are no seatbelts. They cut them <laughs> off and use them for something. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Also, no sullies here. Too ethnic for us. <laughs> I mean, I think I think my my time in Chicago, with at least as a stand-up, was we recognized it for being it was incredibly stupid. It was incredibly drunk. Um, but it was like when you, we would all try to do new stuff as much as we could, you know, and yeah. and, and it, because of that that freedom of that lack of pressure we all came out we, we we got to la pretty good like i got here and was kind of shell-shocked so i didn't really find my footing for like a year or two mm -hmm. as a stand-up but most people kind of we once we kind of they found out about us they're like oh the chicago guys okay okay it's like yeah there was this like place there's this cone around chicago where um, yeah, so not I have I've, I've shifted from thinking about meritocracy to thinking about it like there was this kind of cone, this force field around you where you're not worrying about the industry, but there because the community is small enough, you have this collective consciousness where everyone's thinking about what's good. Yeah, and that's not to say that a bad trend can't take hold in Chicago. I've seen that in stand up and in improv, where sure. suddenly a, a trend gets hot and everyone has to do the trend, and they substitute the trend for quality, or they substitute yeah. like doing tiny variations on the trend for really stepping outside the box and taking a risk. Um, yeah. I feel uh, like it's the equivalent of I've, I've done it. You probably have in your earlier days. I got a great idea. I'm going to do that tonight in improv. Yeah. <laughs> the which is, which is the worst idea. If you bring something, you know, like I, you know, I packed a lunch, I got something good. I'm going to bring it out in the middle of this friggin' Herald and just ruin it. Yeah, <laughs> funny voice or this faith, you know, like same kind of thinking. Anyway, go it, on. It always it lands so wet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that expression. That's perfect. <laughs> it it really yeah you you learn that pretty quick. But I do think that was the nice part of those days in Chicago. There are a lot of things that looking back, like I I wish um, that community had had. And when I moved out to LA, there were, it, you know. It was 2014, so it was kind of after the explosion. So there were a lot mm -hmm. of Chicago people that were a little older than me um, that I'd gotten to know kind of toward the end of, of my time there or that I'd known early on that had moved to L.A., um, uh, you know, halfway through my time in Chicago. And and they had almost a, a jealousy toward the younger people in Chicago that were able to learn the business, get representation, and and shamelessly self-promote. I, I forget if we talked about this when we first met, but um, that you, if you promoted your show, 
Yes. Back in the day in Chicago, if you promoted your show, it was a tacit admission that you sucked. And the only way that you could get people to your show, because word of mouth was cruel to your piece of shit product, was to make a poster and get idiots that liked posters to come to your show instead of word of mouth people that were like, you know what, that show's good. Or you know what, that show's bad. Yeah. Don't use online. Yeah. uh, yeah. Don't do so. So it's this, like we learn based on where everything is today, where everyone is about shameless self-promoting and you're mm-hmm. either growing or you're dying. So you have to adopt it. And the people that learn that at a young age, they see that as normal. Cause when you're a kid, everything around you is normal. Oh. Um, so there was this, there's this envy from the older Chicago generations that I see toward the younger ones that, that are like, how, like, I wish that we could do that. Like it was frowned upon for us to promote anything. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That yeah. I thought I found that to be an important distinction. I think that happens right after Chicago starts to change. I, I personally saw that starting around 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not talking about myself like some, you know, kind of like uh, bland personality list narrator who's just like, and then the scene started to change. And I was free and unencumbered by all of this. Tim is like a taller Ken Burns. Is <laughs> Oh no. When Ken Burns does the improv one, that's going to sink PBS. They're going to oh, go out of business. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. Yeah. Oh no. I, it, well, I, I think it well, speaking as myself, I definitely was of that generation that like, it's like, okay, I get it. This, 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 the social media thing is fun. And I'm, I'm certainly addicted to it as anybody is. And, and I, I think I have a, I have the best handle on self-promotion I've ever had. It's still not great, but it's just, I'm always learning. But one thing I've learned to take out of it first and foremost is to just not be like, wait, how's this person have this many followers? How'd they do that? Wait, why are they, why are more people? Li-? It's like, it, I, it's the dumbest expression, but I love to say it. It's like, what, what you eat don't make me shit. You know, it's, it's not, your life is your life. And, you know, when there was the whole thing with, with us, with standups where it was like, oh, that person's not a real comedian. They're a YouTube comedian. I'm just like, it's just a different platform. Are they taking a, a food out of your mouth? Are they taking a job away from you? And yeah, sure. If we, I'm sure you've experienced this where you audition and it's down to you and another guy and their social platform is bigger. And so they go with that person. Like yeah, not that yeah. you or I would know that, but I know that does happen because oh, it's yeah. a part of advertising. If they're just like, I can't choose who has more Instagram followers, who can promote this better, you know, yeah. which sure, but it's kind of just taking yourself like out of that. Some people are just far better at it. And, and you never know, fine. you never know who you're the face for, you know, like there, right. there are other, there are like Mark Brongers out there. They're like Matt Bronger, you know, it's like, no one's ever going to respect me. Mark Bronger. Uh, I think my, my uncle who's getting into the business now after triple bypass surgery. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> my goddamn nephew's got a bigger social media following. Uh, that I, I just want to re- rewind a little bit and clock that R. Kelly lyric. Uh, what they eat don't make us shit. Oh, you damn! It was R. Kelly said that. Well, well, but he he might have been quoting someone else. That, yeah, it's know, an old a, it's an it's an old uh, street saying. There's, I heard it in a rap song. So, but yeah, <laughs> I like. It, I mean, the flow chart of that is nice though. If you're if you're trying to like really teach a lesson to a kid, and you have a flow chart, and you're like two bodies. And like, this body is eating, this body is shitting. Is this shit coming from this food? And like, no. Okay. Therefore, 
what they eat don't make us shit. It's not going to go through you. It's okay. You know, it's not right for you. It's not right. Maybe the the daily overproduced YouTube, just your face show that you, it it isn't for you. That is not the meals that you'll eat because your body being in your forties couldn't digest it. It's just something (laughs) to think about. That is Uh, I, I do I do like looking at the the social media landscape that way too as as if it is like food or exercise or because mm-hmm. the older you get the more you start to realize like oh well this is what I this is what I want this is what I don't want and I'm yeah. I think I was always guided by how old were you when you moved to L A is that is that I okay was twenty eight twenty nine twenty eight okay all right I I was thirty three okay which is old to move to LA. Um, and I think that through, I, I always, I might've been very hesitant and kind of cautious, uh, by nature, but I, I also kind of have, I kind of have to credit some internal mechanism that says like, "Mm, hold on now, you're not comfortable with that. Uh, you know, that would take you so far out of your own skin that it wouldn't be healthy. Like he, here's a good risk over here. Here's a bad risk over here. I yeah. think my, my body's always telling me those things, you know? Yeah. I, I've I'm had, a- them, I feel like there are times I should have gone against that. Like with the times I just wouldn't audition for a thing where I was like, I just don't see this going anywhere. I don't like this character. I think it's, you know, but it was also like, yeah, but you're a big goofy dude and you got to pay rent. So you should do that part. If you can get a chance to, you know, I was just kind of, not thought myself above it, but I was just like, you know, it, like looking back, I was like, you should have gone out for that. That pilot would have gone nowhere and you would have got a nice check, you idiot. You know? <laughs> but, you know? Yes, go ahead. You know, for the most part, I am just like you that way because it's like, I think of it as my time. I think about it as how I like to present myself, even though I, have no, I did a Summer's Eve commercial, uh, you know, 100 years ago. It's like, I can't really value myself that high, you know? But, it's like, <laughs> but, it, but, but like, you know, I, I, I have a good sense of humor about that. And so I don't care, but it that's, is definitely us. That's we, yeah. That's, that's also part of the job that we have to accept too, that there, there are days when you're going to wake up and you're gonna be like, I'm calling in sick, man. I'm not <laughs> doing this. But the first pilot that I ever did, um, you, you got to know this guy, Alan Havey was in it. He's a stand up. He was on, um, uh, he had a great stretch on Mad Men. Uh, yeah. You'll look him up and you'll be like, Oh, of course, Alan Havey. I love this dude. This guy was so funny in this. This it, it, the pilot didn't go obviously, um, and oh he had yeah. Some, yeah, yeah. At, I forget. You know, I didn't really know him. Know him because he's way older than us. But, right. But yeah, yeah, he's great. Great dude. He's also like he's a he plays a cop on Seinfeld. One of the best guest stars uh, on Seinfeld. We just we just binged all of Seinfeld again in pandemic and nice. uh, and and so this is the first pilot that I'd done and it was after. So it was, I've probably been in LA about two years and those first two years, they're tough, man. Yeah, man. Cause you're taking lumps, especially if you move. I think if you move to LA after the age of 26, I'll say that if you have a full four years of adulthood after college or, at, or, or, you know, or you're, you're from the age of 20 to 26 and you're learning the things that adults learn, it, it really takes you that much time to get up to speed with what adult life is, I think. Um, And then you move to LA, you have to start over and it's, it's, 
it's really tough, especially from Chicago. And that's another conversation because I don't, uh, I'm not trying to burn bridges talking about going from Chicago to LA because it is not pleasant and you no, are, re- you are received. You talk about landing wet. You yeah. are not received well in LA if you come from Chicago and you have a hint of quality about you, but that's, <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Um, so, so I, we had sold shrink uh, and we showed up and it was in development for two and a half years with this, um, this TV network called pivot. Yeah. Which doesn't exist anymore. Right. And then uh, those executives ended up at CISO, which is how we ended up making the show. But this is like, we, we'd made it as a web series in 2011. We'd won the New York television festival in 2012 after making it into a pilot, we sold it in 2013. And then by 2015, it basically dies at pivot. So it has already been on this four and a half year run where everyone has been like, this is one of the best indie pilots we've ever seen. You're going to get to make this. You're going to get paid X amount of money. Um, I moved to LA. Uh, I test for fresh off the boat. Producers are like, clap me on the back. They're like, we'll be seeing you soon, you know? And very briefly, again, totally other story. My dad is dying of ALS at this point. So all I want is to get fucking paid so that I can get him at home care and he can retire and my mom can retire. That's all I want. This is, so that's where I, that's how I moved to LA. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get paid. This is going to happen. Like things are on the right track. This was a hard decision because I love Chicago, but it's the right decision. Plus I sold the show. I'm going to get to make a show. All that gets flushed down the toilet over the course of like a year and a half, two years, (laughs) really disorienting. Wow. And finally, like I get my head back on straight. I get this, I get this pilot um, that was Jake and Amir's pilot. Uh, at True TV, and Alan Havey is in it, and Alan Havey's so fucking funny, and we end up at, and you know, he's like, he's, he's like, you know, 55 or 60, and we end up at the cast party at Jake and Amir's house, and, um, and Alan Havey's like, you know, talking, asking me questions, introducing me to his, like, really, you know, kind wife, and, uh, which sounds like weed, <laughs> my kind wife, <laughs> um, like a weird that was like a harrison ford borat joke or something <laughs> anyway and he goes he goes so so what's your deal you come from chicago huh i was like yeah 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 how long have you been here i was like oh, about two years and he's like oh jesus okay you're gonna be all right here's the real thing you need to ask yourself i'm like oh okay what's that he goes when you're 60 do you want to drive across town to do an adult diaper commercial that'll pay you twelve thousand dollars because if you don't you might need to quit now, but if you can say yes to that now and know that it's coming when you're 60, you're going to be fine. <laughs> and I, and I, I was kind of stunned. I'm like, uh, I'm processing this. He goes, cause that's the job. I got news for you, kid. That's the job. He, he, he said in an interview, he's like, I was talking to an actor in a, in a waiting area and, uh, and he was like, I just feel like my, my job is to audition. He's like, it is kid. You know. <laughs> Yes, it really is. That's, it's the rejection. And, and oddly enough, shrink being on the casting side of that and watching all these people that I loved that I knew from Chicago, because it's so hard. It's mostly Chicago people. It's literally the most second city alumni in any season of TV ever made. Wow. Uh, You wouldn't know about that from second city because they literally never posted about it a single time. Um, Yeah. But again, that's, that's that's Chicago. Sound like them. <laughs> Good, I thank mean, you. Uh, I was about to go in on them, and then you said that. Like the place, but holy same. shit! Sometimes you're like, absolutely, absolutely the same. It's like just don't be so Chicago about stuff. 
Yeah. To oh. Just pr promote um, the shit out of it. On that note, look, we're, we're going to go to the calls in a second, but I have to tell you this because I know you, you, uh, you know, you, you came out of improv. You know the Second City system. You did. Uh, you do annoyance too. Yeah, I did all three. I, I loved. I Me loved too. all three. I, I did. I didn't do Second City. I did like shows that were there, like on their stage, but not for them. But I. But you did I, annoyance on Clark, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I never got to see that. That. Yeah. That, that seemed was, like the magic, the real magic place. My first team, the McNapier's like handpicked team battled us and it's like midnight battle thing and they just dropped in and they were like they treated the room like pirates they would like go up people in the audience start talking to them and stuff and it was so like that we we got a lot of credit because we were really young and we did pretty good but they were just like just destroying so many great ideas and such so much weird i remember at one point one of their guys like stood next to his, one of our, like somebody of their team and just started like he was jacking off and he goes ask me anything about magellan ask me and it was like such a weird choice, but they made it work. I, it's like one of those things. It's like that's that that initiation is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't teach that, but they do. No. I I love that. Like those three outposts, really. Um, they kind of they kind of take the, a lot of the ego out of the Chicago community, which I think uh, makes it stand in contrast to all the other communities. Is that yeah. if you wanted to be good in Chicago, you had to kind of be good in all these three different. Uh, right. zones that that only overlapped a little bit and if you could do that you would gain everyone's respect because they'd be like i've seen them play that style and this style and this style i've seen them play with yeah. these people i've seen them over here and you, that cross-pollination gives you respect for all those different styles but it also teaches you uh hopefully how to choose which style when yeah as opposed to being like i know this style i have supremacy about this style and i'm going to force it into every situation that i'm in oh exactly that's, that's bad that's a bad <laughs> idea well, speaking of speaking of which, to, to the point of these improv wacky clown houses as being institutions, which <laughs> we basically were, it was, we were beaten about the head and face with that. Because it yeah. is kind of the Chicago Police Department of improv in a way. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I had the funniest experience, my only experience with uh, the Groundlings here. I never did Groundlings. Like a lot of friends who were who did Groundlings respect it a whole lot. So many of my idols came out of there, and that's great. But I realized I, in one one day, I realized they had the same thing that the Chicago places had, where when I accidentally walked in to the theater during the day. So I get this, I, I have an audition. They have a training center across the street. It's an audition for like a commercial or something. And in the breakdown, they give you the code to the door, right? So I go in there, I put the code in, I go in, there's nobody in there. Like there's three rooms, there's nobody in like, well shit, maybe it's in the main groundlings. So I go across the street and I put the same code in, I get in. There's some classes going on. I just go into an office. There's two women working behind desks. Hey, I'm looking for an audition. I thought I was across the street. They're like, you just came in? And I'm like, yeah. And one of them is looking at me like I'm pissing on the Vatican floor. <laughs> Like, how dare you? No one knows you here. No one does this. And the other woman just starts laughing. And she's like, oh, I see what happened. Honest mistake, no problem. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't, I didn't know they're like, so it's okay. It's going to be across the street. They must be running late. You know, I apologize for them. That doesn't have anything to do with us. But she was, she was a, a, a peach, like she's the nicest person. And I go outside and I'm like, okay. 
and I'm waiting for the light. And this dude walks up on me and he goes, Hey, can I talk to you, man? And I'm like, well, what's up? And he's like, uh, how'd you get the code of that door, dude? And I was like, uh, it was in the breakdowns for this audition. I, I guess it's across the street. No one was there. He's like, yeah. Cause you don't just walk in there, man. Like we don't, you can't. And I'm like, and it was this thing where I had this moment of like, Hey, you're outside with me now. We're not in the groundlings. You, you need to back up. You know, it was like, I, I was nice guy, nice guy, nice guy, nice guy. And then I was just like kind of laughing at this guy. Like, are you serious? You're going to try to big dick me the same way I got big dicked all through that time in Chicago by older improv people or yes. people who worked the box office or whatever it was because they were holding on to whatever modicum of power they had. That, like, inner, that inner sanctum energy that they're drawing Because they of. got hazed like that. And yes. then they, and they, their only relief is to keep hazing. That's exactly right. It's, it's the, it runs parallel to like, if you grow up in an abusive environment, you're going to repeat those things. Not only are you going to repeat them, you're going to justify them. Like, yep. even if you're, even if you don't pass those traits along uh, as, as frequently as other people that, that like really absorb them, you still, there's still something that, that makes you some instinct. That's like, I must justify where I came from. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no. Well, and it's also like, it's gonna sound really sick, but like the the abuse can't stop with me. I can't be the last one to get his ass kicked. I gotta kick someone's ass. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that. Yeah, that's true. It's 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 the uh, it's the one last bender kind of thing. Yeah, you know, where it's like I can kick this, but you know, I gotta have one last bender. They've got what you. I'm a, ooh, I, I got a real problem. I got to quit, but new year's is in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'm going out with style. <laughs> yeah. That's that. And I, I really, I, there's no, um, those, those institutions also, they take on a life of their own and there's so little time to question and so little energy to shake up the status quo because if the status quo works, I saw that at second city with the owner and the producers there, you see it at IO with, uh, with Sharna, you know, annoyance, I knew a little less, so I can't really speak to that. And I, I never went through classes there. I will say I, you know, I took two levels of annoyance and, and one was with, uh, Susan Messing. Oh yeah. And so that she's one of my all time best teachers improv or not. Oh yeah. And like, so, but I never, I will say that that theater, that, that was, I never had that kind of, you know, I, ne I never got the, the hi-hat on many one in there. I, I think they were, and I, I mean this in like the, the most positive way, the, the anarchists in the sense of like, That's you exactly. know, in, in the like mutual aid sense, like they're, it really is like everyone is welcome. We know that that might result in certain situations where, you know, people are figuring things out or it feels yeah. a little sloppy, but also um, there, there's going to be a, a type of community here and a sense of that that doesn't exist in the other places where there is kind of like, a, you know, a corporate streak or like all this salutation to our past and our history, yeah. which again, like, isn't necessarily bad because oh. narratives and history are written by the winners. And if a winner is a bad person and threatened by another winner, they just suppress that other winner. Yes. And, and, the th and the thing about Second City is like, like every winner they've ever had has moved on. So anyone that stays is like, mm, I hope I hope for their next phase, I hope that they look at the BIPOC letter and they make that a blueprint for uh, that theater. Cause I think, I do think Second City is an important institution uh, in, in comedy. And I think that if, 
if any of these institutions have a shot, them implementing that and actually moving forward. Now, based on yeah. the recent sale, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, um, but they need like all those theaters need really good alumni relations. I'll give it up for UCB. UCB, like someone could book, someone could book a sun kissed commercial and they're like our next fucking star. <laughs> and you're, and, and ev- I think every other, every other like alumni of a place looks at that and is like, Oh, that's nice. They're making a big deal out of the sun kiss commercial. Yeah. That, oh, that gives me the warm and fuzzies. That, that yeah. is nice. That is the positive well, and, side and the of people, promotion. The people you're talking about, annoyance you know and uh you know amy and matt and, and uh matt and the gang like the ucb gangs they kind of they they kind of formed their theaters by having the conversation where we just had right about the things they don't like about it the things they like but the things they don't like so you know that's I know. that's why and that's so why. much has changed that i i think it's really good that new people step in have those conversations they know more the boots on the ground are going to like are, are going to you know create the the new atmosphere that will make things so much healthier uh and take it in the direction that it needs to go in which exactly which is i mean i look at that and i'm like i'm i'm jealous that i'm not coming up at Hmm. that time i hope those people i I hope they have the chance to again like have the the kinds of playgrounds that that existed in chicago where there isn't that stress and that pressure to 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 make it just have fun and get good don't 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 think past today in terms of what you're doing in terms of your performance and things like that so okay with that we got to get to the calls um let's do it first off let me ask you do you get asked advice because i started this podcast being a person who people really didn't much like younger people ask me about like you know comedy and shit like that but i like that neither myself nor any of my guests are really the people that are like well gather around I'll, let me tell you how it is. I'm not a gather round guy, but my friends used to say that um, that someday I'd get murdered by a 5B student at IO because uh, I, I always, if someone would come up to me, I'd always, I'd always be like, "Okay, oh, sure, yeah, all right, I'll talk to you." I, you know, I was, I was never like, "Here, like, get, gather around, let me tell you my opinions." But people would come up and be like, "Um, ums, can I ask you ums about?" Yeah, I'd be like, oh, sure. And then my friends would be at the other side of the bar laughing with a drink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I want to, I have my friends. Duh. Yeah, it's 1230 in the morning and some like 21 year old is like, so um, when I edit a scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do I end? How do I make create a, end a musical number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's such granular things. I, I was yeah. listening to the Roy Wood episode and he, and he said something great where he's like give the boilerplate response because like those first x amount of years there's nothing to say other than go get go get your feet wet go get dirty okay good exactly no and hopefully we won't have two we're gonna do three calls i don't know what they are i never list that's the thing renee listens to them and picks them out so i don't know what's coming you know what's coming let's roll the first call hopefully not about the biz Um, hi, this question's for Tim. I just want to know what it's like working on the Righteous Gemstones every day. Thanks. There you go, right out of the park. There we go. Oof, probably the toughest question I'll ever get asked. <laughs> so tough. <laughs> um, it's fun. At, at first, you know, it was kind of surreal and, and it can be a little intimidating. You're you're in a scene with, you know, John Goodman and and McBride and Oh. Adam Devine and Edie Patterson and, you know, Cass Freeman, uh, 
Tony Cavalier. I mean, like, Adam Devine, that's an open eye for <laughs> do you do you guys have beef? <laughs> I just got no. When, when you when it's like, like a friend's name comes up, you're like, oh, so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Please don't revere my friend. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's great, and he's great on that show. I mean, everybody is like you. You, I, one thing I have to ask: your character is so subtle and so funny, and you got to play toward your dumb, your dumb self guy. Yeah, I don't. We're just oh, not yeah. even I'm dull. Um, but that scene where you got that kid in your office, yeah. and you call him by his last name. Did you improvise that, or was that written? Um, you remember? I uh, I don't remember. I don't remember in part because uh, David Gordon Green uh, directed that episode, and he'll always throw these very odd curveballs. And yeah. Edie gave me great advice. Uh, when we were starting the season and she said David's going to throw some things at you and the part of your brain that's an actor and even the part of your brain that's an improviser trying to say yes and is going to hear it and think what yeah and and it's not going to make sense it's not going to make sense until the second or third take and then you're going to understand that he is asking you to do something to do something that that he's never seen before and he's a major cinephile and and a genius so you just got to do it and, and trust that it'll make sense. Eventually it will, but sometimes you'll do it and, it and it's still, by the end, it won't make sense. It's not until you see the finished product. Okay. So the, the cool thing about going to work is that they're very open to, um, they're very open to improv and the scripts are great. So you can kind of choose like, I'm just going to do the script. You know, John Goodman doesn't really improvise, but, every, but a lot of other people are, are comfortable yeah. improvising and going off the page. So I think, once the intimidation factor kind of came down, then start to feel the liberty of like, oh, I'm going to do what I do. And personally, like I had an acting background before I did improv. For mm -hmm. me, I think that the funniest stuff is with the most committed acting yeah. with characters that really believe what they're doing yes. and are staying within the channel of their character. Yes. I think that protects the kind of like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, sanctity, integrity of the character, mm -hmm. but it it makes if 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 you everyone's doing that, it makes what you're watching more believable and less like everybody. We're remember we're doing a comedy. Every thirty seconds, we're gonna we're gonna remind you that this is a comedy and not a real show. Yeah, it's not that I don't laugh at stuff like that. It's just I laugh way harder and get invested on a dramatic level. And I think Gemstones ha is written as a drama that yeah. happens to be funny, and that's yeah. the that's the power of it. So in the that character, that character, I really just try to like stay in the cut. And when I improvise, just stay in character. I think of, I think of Tony Hale on Veep a lot. Yes. Excellent example. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it you, well, she, Edie is trying to, each character is trying to get your, get you back and you're sitting there and you're like, you know, you're, you're, you're bothering me, you know, you're interrupting me at work. You know, I'm taking care of Mr. Rochester or whatever the kid's name was. Yeah. But <laughs> Mr. Walters, I think. Yeah. Mr. Something. It not, wasn't Rochester. I just pulled that out of my ass. But like, I just remember that. I was, I was like, that is such a funny choice, whether it was written or made up on the spot. You call customers by their last name out of respect. And this is a boy who's so small, his feet are not touching the ground. Yeah, I, I thought that was so fucking funny. Like I'm with this, I'm with Mr. So. And it's like, and she's kind of like acknowledged, like, oh, I see. I mean, you are. Fashion when you're at work, you're in a trauma, trauma 
I was just like, God, that's such a funny aside. And, and that exactly fits into what you were just talking about because he's just, he doesn't think it's funny to call that kid by his last name. Yeah. It's a sign of respect. He's a customer. He's, he's mad. He's trying to respect his customer and get back to his job. Yeah. It's, it's odd how, you know, we're, especially with improv, I think a lot of improvisers are like, I got to go wild, you know? Yeah. And Chicago had that kind of like golden ticket mentality with SNL where it's like, in yeah. order to, in order to get the one job that will get me out of town, I have to be the wildest, craziest person. I have to be like popping off at all times. It's like, eh. yeah, you might also dig your own grave that way. I mean, it's like, you think about the obvious example is, you know, Chris Farley, who I would say, like they would say, they played to your top of your intelligence, you know, but his audition for SNL, he came out on stage and just fell and smashed a table, like a real table. Like, like they were just like, well, we can't, not hire this guy or Oracle or whichever one he was, you know, auditioning for. Yeah. That was indicative of his whole life. He was never off. He always had to perform. He never thought he was good enough and was just like, if I'm not screaming and losing it, it's like you, you just, you burn out so fast just doing that. And you don't give your, you don't find, you don't find a lot of peace that way when you're right. just maniac all the time. You and know? and not, not every part, like we never got to see him tra transition yeah. into something else which everyone you know who's who's close to him is like you know you look at a couple scenes in tommy boy a couple scenes in black sheep it's like we could have had that yeah. but he was so hardwired to live that, that way yeah that, and and i don't know i my dad was a was a theater actor in the 60s and 70s and so oh, wow. growing up he would point like when we'd watch things he'd be like look at that person and when imdb came around he'd go there and he'd be like look at all the different things that this that this person did like you could have, you could have a career like John Cazale. You're in five things. They all get, they all win an Oscar. Yeah. Or you could have this person's career who has 163 credits and they were in two hits. But every time they finished a job, they picked up the phone. They were like, give me another job. Yeah. <laughs> or like, give me auditions, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and he's like, as long as, oh, the, on Twitter, it was trending the other day where people were like, they understood the assignment, you know? Ah. Uh. Uh, wow. And and it was it was like you know the four pictures posted of an actor who's like nailed the assignment four times or whatever, yeah. and I thought that was so cool because comedically we don't always get the chance to do that, yeah. But um, I don't know with this I felt like the character with gemstones the character was drawn so clearly that I'm yeah. like I I get the assignment, you know, mm -hmm. people might not like the character they might not, everyone in that show is an alpha except my character and Tony Caballero's character. Everyone else is an alpha. And there's, and something, there's something so magnificent about that. I, I love when I get, you know, I used to resent it when I get like a, a, a smaller part or something, but it's kind of like, that's, if I'm honest, what I've gotten more than anything my whole life, you know, and I'm in my mid forties and I have no regrets that way because it, I got to take that piece of meat and chew the fuck out of it, you know, I like it, like I was just this, I, every time I felt like, okay, if I'm the guy who comes in, I gotta hit a line drive, I'm gonna hit a line drive. If I'm, you know, if I gotta, you know, I, you're gonna, you're gonna have me at, at, at shortstop, I'm not gonna miss a ball, you know, like it's just, I just have that thing. And like, I always think about it in terms of like, this is stupid, probably hyper-masculine, um, violent, but like the seven samurai, how, <laughs> Those guys were all badasses, like it's like crazy badass. Where like they sneak up on that guy and he's inside his house and he goes, "No tricks," 
can't even see them, but he just knows they're behind that wall. Yeah. You know, and, and there's that guy and he, the other guy's going to fight him. Like the young thug guy, and he grabs his sword and the samurai's like, stop. I just saw the way you held your sword. I'm going to kill you, man. And they're like, this is the actual dialogue from the film. If you guys are yeah. They talk just like the same accent. And he's like, and the, the guy's like, no, man, you know, I'm a badass. I'm going to kill you. And he's like, please, please don't take your sword out. And the guy does and he, he kills him. And it's like, I working with men and women like that my whole life made me and watching them on screens and on stages made me, I, I just, I'm always going to be a fan of the art and I'm always going to be like, oh, that person just nailed it so hard. You yes. Know? Yeah, and exactly. A fan of that. I think like you probably had the same experience in Chicago, but I came up with a lot of alphas and, yeah. and, and like alphas love nothing more than a cockfight, but a lot of times that's a zero sum game. And there's all this other room that's created as they're cockfighting. And what, what I learned, especially on the improv teams with, with like a lot of aggressive dudes and it was all dudes. Yeah. Uh, was unfortunately dude rich environment improv. Very and, and, yeah. And, and what I tell like, now, I mean, the main thing that I think is like, I'd be a stronger comedian if that weren't the case. Mm. I would be, I would yeah. be. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. And at times very good. I'd be stronger if I'd come up in a more diverse environment. I, and I yeah. felt that going from Joliet, which was very diverse to Chicago, to that community, which was not. Right. Um, but, yeah. but the, the, the space that's created when, t when alphas are cockfighting, <laughs> I think is the richest environment. You get to be a sniper. You it's get true. to be there when the audience is sick of them fighting and is like, give me anything else, you know? Yes. What's, what's and hard. Also, those guys who, the guys who are the novels who cockfight, um, back to what we're saying, not that Chris was like this, but they burn out. Yeah. I can, I, as you said that, I thought of four or five guys by name, who I know that are just kind of like, they, they were, I won't say born jaded, but just like, about it, almost everything mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you 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 have to keep yourself as open as possible if you're going to be an artist on on some level and have a little bit of joy and these that, guys have almost destroyed theirs i know and the the um the alphaness the hyper masculinity uh will prevent a lot of people from saying i'm an artist and if you can't say that you don't understand the you know, it's, it's like, you're only seeing a tiny portion of the world in color and everything else is in black and white. Yes. And when you, when you see that everything's in color, you're like, Oh, I'll go over there. I'll go over there. I'll do this. I'll do this. And everything else opens up to you. I mean, you gotta, you gotta go where you're getting paid. Um, yep. That's exactly right. I mean, don't be too, I want to say elitist, but too, too much of a prude, I guess, in a way. Of, with, with your art but you know i i always i i you know i'm a funny guy you're a funny guy i like funny moments that are true and i i, I just i thought it was it was so stupid but funny when who was it i think brad pitt was on some talk show or something and they're like i heard you you were all great joints like they, they said you were all really good joints he's like i'm an artist man <laughs> That's a dumb thing to say but it was like yes <laughs> you know yeah, i mean yeah I, I would say that probably about like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah it's no, been a while but i haven't lost it man you still got the stuff i still got the stuff
All right. Hope, hopefully that helped caller. That's interesting. We've never gotten someone who's point blank. What's it like being on that show? So that was so, so concise. So concise. I, I appreciate Leo, the people that like the podcast, we call them uh, the mighties. And I appreciate anyone who calls in and is like specific enough. Doesn't go on too long. Can talk a little bit, but you know, says just gives me enough. And that was yeah. enough. You know, I've had people who are like, I think my girlfriend might be annoying. I should I break up with her? Like, I got nothing, man. <laughs> you think she might be annoying? <laughs> yeah. It's like, but is he to you? Is he your problem? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> well, I hope I gave enough in that. In that, I think that was dope. I think because we got into your 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 motivations and what it's like. You know, you, you kind of nailed the 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 the. I won't say the superfluous because that sounds rude, but like the, the thing you kind of already imagine. Being oh yeah. To put a fine point on that, the, yeah. the Tony Hale reference that I made, um, mm. I did the table reads for season three of Veep and everyone's improvising and stuff. And Tony Hale was, you know, um, he was reacting at time, but he wasn't driving the improv. And I, and, and I remember thinking, I, I was talking to him about it because he was like, hey, you come from improv, right? I can tell. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's not where I come from. I, I definitely am like an yeah. actor, you know? And I'm like, that's so odd because I, I consider you to be, you know, like number two behind Julia Louis-Dreyfus on that show. And he's like, well, if you're always reacting, the camera always finds you. And mm. like, oh, that's fascinating. And on, on Bajillion, it was the same thing. It's like, if you just stay in character and react, then that literally the editors will be like, oh, thank God. Okay, there you go. Yes, Oop, exactly. There you go. There you, and, and you watch Veep and Tony Hale is just, it's a clinic of he's always in character. He's always reacting and it's always honest and genuine. Yeah. And so you're just like, you're on, you're, every scene he's in, you're riding. He's the pulse of, of the scene as much as Julie or any other character, which yeah, exactly. I don't know, I, so much respect for that. Nice. Awesome. So good. Okay. Uh, call number two. Hello, gentlemen. I appreciate you offering this service. Uh, my name is Noel, and I am an Alexander Technique teacher. I work at UCLA, but I'm on, like, massive furlough. And what I'm trying to do is work more. <laughs> um, and the problem is people don't know what Alexander Technique is. If I were a plumber and I met you, you'd be like, oh, cool, now I know a plumber when my sink fucks up. I know who to call, but because I teach something that is so misunderstood or not known at all, I don't know how to get the word out there, especially considering the thing that I do requires that I put my hands on a person's body. Um, not like massage exactly, but kind of like a gentle, like coaxing massage, like I'm going to help you help yourself sort of thing. So I'm wondering if y'all have any ideas of how I can reach out to organizations or institutions or people specifically to try and let them know that I can help them make their experience in their bodies easier, happier, healthier, and less tense. So how do I do that without being able to engage physically with somebody i guess is my question thank you for your time i hope you have a great day and i admire you enormously 
Thank you. Bye. That's another great call. Oh, you know, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the Alexander technique. Slightly. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. But I mean, from her descriptions of it, it sounds like it would be useful. <laughs> yeah. Incredibly it useful. Kind of, because at first when she was like, you know, I, I think of it as like, is that, is that like Meisner? You know, I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that's why she's calling in. You know, it's like, it's like I teach this acting technique and, but it sounds, it, if she's at UCLA, it's probably pretty legit. Um, I know I've heard of it. One thing I don't do on the show is Google. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a little rule of mine, but. Okay, I was going to ask, yeah. But. Uh, well, I mean, we were, we were talking about kind of self-promotion earlier. Yes. And if you have a service that helps people, I mean, I think you should be completely shameless about that. Then it's just crafting a message that says like, here's how it helps and yes. explaining it in a dummy proof way so that people are like, huh, you know what? I do need help with that. Connecting the dots so that people understand that you have a service that they need. Yeah. And, and then once they use it, if you're confident in your service, they'll be like, oh, that's, that's actually an essential service. I want to keep coming back to that. Or it's so good that I need to go tell other people about it. And the way I'm kind of envisioning it is the TikTok model where, you know, you have those floating captions. Ooh. So it could be just fucking, as they say, bad pitch, but, you know, my name is blah, blah, blah. I do the Alexander technique. What is that? You know, you know, I, you know, it, it, it help with stress, blah, 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 through mild pressure and what, whatever it is. Just something in a nutshell that would fit in 30 seconds to a minute walk someone through but it's like i can't i mean i'm a i'm a i'm a dad now i've she's eight months old Kara will send me these like tiktok clips done by moms or dads on how to like good way like for example like when she's done feeding or when she's eating don't you're not supposed to just keep wiping their mouths all the time you kind of like let them get dirty and then help them clean when they're done and it's like someone, they did it like a step-by-step step thing with those captions. And I was like, oh, and you bring a little bowl and help them wash their hands. They know about washing their hands. Okay, okay. It, it's literally what you said is it's so-and-so for dummies. Like whatever the Alexander techniques for dummies. Because I think most people are going to be like, what is that? I don't know that. And you nailed it. It's what is that? Why would it be good for me? You know, and then, then you get into how they get in touch with you or whatever. So. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating? I mean, TikTok was the perfect example of you distill the points of your service or, or what you're trying to say. You super cut it together so that it's, there's no extraneous information yep. and you make it all so simple that people are like, Oh yeah, I get that. I mean, it's fascinating. And then you hashtag it with like, you know, dancing with the stars. Um, the storm is coming, uh, you know, NBA finals and then, <laughs> and yeah. And Alexander technique, you know, you put every color pill in there and then people. And then you put it. red pill, like Alexander technique. Uh, <laughs> red pill Trump. Alexander. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Blue pill. Um, you know, uh, Pelosi is my queen. Uh, the person, you know. that doesn't, person that doesn't get it at all. Uh, QAnon, R-Anon, S-Anon. <laughs> Al-Anon. Um, I want to be respectful. <laughs> I want to be respectful, uh, but I, as, as someone who's, uh, you know, adjacent to that world, um, I think any mention of it is, uh, is actually supportive. Uh, I, I, I'm always tempted because of that experience on the opposition. 
I think there's a like fluidity and a speed with which I will go into political uh, references that most people are like, hey man, um, that really made my butthole clench. And I'm like- You all of a sudden uh, praised Q and showed me a, what looked like a homemade homemade tattoo of Q on your arm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, sorry, I, I used to watch, I used to work in an office where we would watch like 45 minutes of like Tucker monologues to start the day and then like a media rundown of where everything is at. So it just gets in your bloodstream and then you're talking about it the way you're like, did you see Donovan Mitchell last night? Hell of a game. And I also think it's part of like, you know, coming up with, uh, with, with idiots, with, with, you know, jokers where you'd have a friend just be talking and say something to throw you right off. Like I had a friend who'd be like, just be laughing, be like, <laughs> white power. You're like, hey, you're like something like it's that same thing. I've been sure you had with that with the opposition group, where it was just like you're kind of referencing something literally terrible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I that was it was such a blur. Uh, I was on that job for ten months, and um, you know, I, I went to like I, I I went to CPAC, I went to a Roy Moore rally. Um, wow. Uh, and and the only way that you can kind of deal with those environments. Um, and yet you have people threatening your life and, and, uh, you know, and they're deeply suspicious of you and and they're telling, you know, everyone, everyone's open carrying. So you really don't want to piss people off. This is like 2017, 18. So I don't know if it was as toxic, but there was also this, it was this weird phase where, uh, no one knew how dangerous it was going to get. Right. Except the people that were on the ground being like, this is going in a very bad direction and our yes. lives are being threatened uh, uh, that part that part was a little odd and i think that the way that you that you kind of deal with it is everyone else in that little bubble you just have to make jokes about it in order to, sur- yeah, no in order to survive it's just like how cops have the blackest sense of humor ever and, and and emts and stuff like people that see horrible stuff every day yes, Man, yes. they make jokes that you'd be like oh guys but it's like it's how they're getting through the day no. Oh, man, EMTs for real. I have a buddy who's an EMT and he's the darkest, he has the darkest sense of humor and it never stops. And there's a certain point where you have to call him out and be like, uh, that <laughs> I, I'm only on board for so much of this before it gets to a morbid point. Yeah. But Hey, you know, if he did a TikTok video explaining like, here's why my sense of humor is, is really morbid. There you like, go. Okay, I get it. Perfect. Yeah. And thanks. Way to bring it back around <laughs> to our caller. Appreciate that. That's so, the Alexander yeah. technique. I learned that by applying mild pressure and uh, getting rid of the stress. Uh, Okay, let's roll. Let's ready for the the last call here, Tim. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, Matt. I'm calling for the Tim Balt show, and I got a question for Tim. Not really an advice thing, just kind of a weird question. I've got this ex that was uh, really obsessed with Tim and wanted to brush his hair. And basically my question, we're still friends, like we're, we're cool. Uh, if she ever did meet Tim in real life and was like, hey, I'm that girl that wanted to brush your hair, would he let her? Thanks, guys. Love you both. Have a great day. Is this a call for Lily? <laughs> I know all of Lily's exes and she's never tried to brush my hair, so I don't think it's about Lily. <laughs> oh, no, no, not about Lily. Oh, like, should this question be for Lily? Hmm. Yeah, it... good point. Would she hey, let... this chick brush my hair? 
naturally react to that. Um, boy, this is weird. I feel like someone tweeted this at me, something like this years ago. Well, it's like I would, you know, would love to brush your hair. <sighs> boy, um, sorry, Matt. Give me a sec here. <laughs> hey, take your uh, time. So I, it it would depend on the brush, first yeah. and foremost. I, cause even if, even if this person, this person sounds stable, but even if this person was unstable, I think that, um, I like to diffuse situations like, by, like that by being totally open-minded mm -hmm. and like, Hey, I, I can see things your way. I brush my hair every day. I can see how you would want to brush my hair because I like to brush my hair. What brush are we talking about? And if it was one of those like detangling, like for kids brushes, which I use, uh, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. We, we could fuck with that. Yeah. Um, but if it's some like coarse, weird, like doll brush. Yeah. I would also add as a suggestion from a friend, if this person had been saving the Tim Baltz brush all this time, it was just like, it's gotta be pure. I picked it up first time I saw you on a TV and it, I've never cleaned it, you know, and this thing is just this fucking horrible, like it's gotta touch your head or the dark Lord will take me, Tim. So right. like something like that, you're like, I think you need to work on your issues. Been saving this brush just for me. No. So that's this. Yeah. It's um, I think I've been fortunate to not be in a situation where people want to brush my hair in the past. I'm realizing. Yeah. I mean, I, when he said that, it's like, yeah, you got a, you got a, a, a lovely head of hair, Tim. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but, thanks. You know, it's, you're not Jason Momoa. <laughs> you know, I someone like I just want to touch his hair and face or whatever. You know, like like who? I'm trying to think of a male celebrity with lustrous hair. John Stamos. You yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not Jason Momoa. I've come to accept that now. Um, I think you and I both had the hardest time accepting that neither one of us was Jason Momoa. It was we've we bonded in Telluride over that one. You know, how many how many years did we waste saying why can't I be Jason Momoa? I, I honestly, I'd probably let this woman, um, if she's on good terms with her ex, that's a positive sign. Yeah. Uh, I, I would probably let this woman brush my hair if I could choose the brush. Cool. Uh, I don't, exp but am I running the risk of people being like, Hey, did you know you could brush Tim Baltz's hair with his own brush? I think <laughs> what, the, what? I think you would have to make that a, a disclaimer the moment. Like this is the last time anyone's going to here besides me you know. yeah yeah um but i guess i i i if it, i hope it helps i guess i'd be open to your ex brushing my hair dude yeah cool <laughs> cool and and on that note thanks for coming on the show tim this was awesome my pleasure perfect note to end on really A perfect note brushing your hair it is there anything you want to uh plug i know you're you're shooting uh righteous gemstones right now right yeah, shooting gemstones right now. Um, uh, plug uh, John Bronco this uh, this short feature that Walton Goggins stars in that I'm in that's on Hulu. If you haven't seen that yet, it's about the lost uh, Ford Bronco pitchman um, from the '60s through the '90s. Uh, it. it was really funny, super fun to be a part of. Lots of improv, uh, and that's kind of the most recent thing. As as wait for uh, Gemstone season two to come back. Oh, rad. Well, I'm going to plug, um, 
I have uh, with Kyle Kinane, uh, my 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 uh, little uh, younger older brother and I are doing a show called uh, Hey Girl Live, which is we 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 raise some money for some charities, but also check in on each other. This is something we started at the beginning of the quarantine. We basically have a happy hour uh, on Zoom, and other people can join in, and we'll barge into your apartment and like talk shit about the stuff in your house while we're drinking. And like uh, we've got. Um, uh, Liza Traeger and Tom Segura on the show and this is going to be our first pay-per-view live one so it's going to be big that's going to be oh, April 24th great. and just just put in um, hey girl honestly it's just hey girl dot live and you can go with that and so we're going to be doing more Tim so we got to have you on oh absolutely it just I mean it's the most fun we just we because the running our Kyle and I when we were on the road we would go like we haven't seen each other in like months and I'd be, we'd see each other and Kyle would go, hey girl. I'm like, hey girl. Hey, you know, like our, just a couple road weary hoofers, old time hoofers. Was that, were you guys like, were you, was that kind of your crew, Kyle? Um, Kyle is literally who I started doing stand up with. And he used to drive us around Chicago in an old Grand Marquis um, <laughs> and, and through the snow. Uh, yeah, okay. Looks like the date got lost. It's April 24th is hey girl live but yeah kyle and i started out together um it was it was me uh kyle john roy uh emily derezas um camille nangiani pete holmes hannel burris um we had this you know Dwayne kennedy we had this monster crew of people yeah. that were doing open mics that now we're just like you know honestly that that was like the first stand-up crew that i that i kind of got to know probably you know i don't know early mid-2000s right it was were you guys at lincoln lodge a lot yes that's exactly and, right yeah i saw some great shows i mean it's buried it's buried in a lot of memories but um yeah man I, some of the first shows stand-up shows that i saw in chicago were there and just came well, away being like well you this, you were lucky enough great. to have the the two worlds reaching out olive branches to each other yeah like, even yeah. when i left chicago you never did improv and stand-up no one did it was like fields and McCoys times a thousand and i remember when because i got kicked off my improv team because i'd taken level one through five and they added six and i was like i just studied under, under dell months before he died i, I don't want to and they were just adding levels it was kind of yeah. like what? and i thought it would pass but it didn't and they were like well if you take it you can get put back on the team and I just started doing stand-up, and that's when I joked that my lightsaber turned from green to red, where I just turned to the dark side and put the hood up and was like, <laughs> went full Darth Maul. But like, <laughs> it just, it, you, it, it, I, I was very happy to see places like UCB embracing both, even though neither side was really excited about reaching out to each other. But now it's kind of like, just, I'm just like, comedy is comedy, man. Yeah, I do think the future is going to be even more mixed and probably multimedia stuff in there too. Um, right. Like all these groups are going to keep coming together. I hope that there's still a place for like just, you know, dorky old roll out the suggestion improv shows. Yes. Because uh, it, it does like it does teach you something more than like editing a TikTok video, for example. But that's exactly um, right. Well, yeah, exactly. There is something to be said for it. Like live will always be the NFL. Anything live that's in the moment, it, it's going to be the hardest, the UFC, whatever you want to call it, the hardest fucking thing of anything. Yep. 
on camera is its own set of skills, which I, I had to learn when I got to LA because I was acting for the, the, for the third balcony with a camera right in front of my face. And they went, <laughs> That's Sir, Chicago style. <laughs> you got you to gotta dial it back, man. We can hear you fine. And you're telegraphing every thought through your nose somehow and an eyebrow. <laughs> Keep it in. Uh, who is it that, I mean, fuck up his name, but this actor had the best line where his like, teacher of his was like, perfect, wonderful, don't change a thing, 90% less. <laughs> that, that should be, I mean, that's on, that's on every Chicago actor's. Oh my God epitaph yeah. from from that it, the cool the funny thing is that like now chicago actors are learning it and they're learning it from dick wolf because they all have to audition for nbc chicago fire med yes. pd and yeah. that's how all those like stage improv actors are like you know you really got to learn to tone it down on camera if you want to be someone with a knife sticking out of your head uh <laughs> When, when like, you know, Sophie, Sophia Bush comes up and is like, he's not dead yet. If you want to book that part, you got to bring it down. <laughs> if you want to book the guy that's barely alive, you got to, you got to, you got to tone it down a little bit. You got to tone it down, man. <laughs> that's so good. Well, dude, this was awesome to just uh, have you on and catch up again. And I miss seeing you around the neighborhood, but I'm I'm psyched you're there in Charlotte, Charleston, Charleston. Yeah, the holy city. Yeah, yeah likewise, man. How's the neighborhood doing? Is it good? It's good. It's a little it's a little overcast today, but uh, nothing's really changed. You know, same thing. Ton of masks. That's about it. Strollers. Nice. Nice um, man. Well, you know, go spend uh, go spend thirty five dollars on a drink and a sandwich at all time for me. I will. I I love their staff. I miss their staff. I miss all the time. So I mean, I I go by all the time, all the time. But I miss I miss being able to just sit in there. Yeah. Oh man, I I miss those rare those rare moments where I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna get there like fifteen minutes after they open when nobody is there. Everyone is at their happiest. Yes. The best. And then, and then, like right as people start to trickle in, you're like, "I'm out, <laughs> I'm gone." I had my, I had my two cups and my scone. I'm finished. Yeah. Yeah, boy. I, if someone had told me I would have liked LA when I was between the ages of zero and thirty-two, I would have been like, "Get the fuck out of here." Yeah, of course. But no way, man. I, I like LA. I do too. I really do. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, dude, let's let's hang out when you get back. Yeah, Give looking forward to it, man. Hopefully there will be less masks and yes. we'll be moving around. That's exactly right. Thanks again, man. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Oh, man. Having Tim on was the best. We talked too much about Chicago, but I loved it. Uh, if you want some advice uh, or want to ask any of my guests a question, leave me a message at 323-763-0228. Again, that's 323-763-0228. They say an improv, don't think. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.